Hello, and welcome once again to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me, as always, once again, as usual, are two real academics from actual institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you from the Samuel May Day Malone Institute for the Study of Conviviality here on the beautiful Hoople campus. This week, we're heading back to our favorite gigantic southern Mesopotamian site, Lagash, to talk about the discovery of what appears to be a tavern, Dating to around 2700 BCE, the tavern has benches, bowls, dried fish, basically everything you'd need to feel right at home in a place where everybody knows your name, except maybe a table. So who ran these establishments? Texts like the Code of Hammurabi suggest women, and who frequented them? And how, in an era 2000 years before coinage, did you pay for your beer? Are you using bits of silver or weighing out grain, or do you just run a tab? So set them up, Joe. We've got a little story we think you should know. Okay. Uh, so here's a very apropos lightning round, but I think it's very it'll be very telling and psychologically revealing, and okay. historically enlightening. Uh-oh. Um, oh. What, if, if any, is your favorite um, bar or, or uh, public house and why? Hmm. And where? Hmm. Hmm. Can coffee houses count? No, no, yeah. unless it serves out, you know, liquor hmm. or hmm. beer. Well, I could answer this in one of two ways, and I could, I can answer this in the form of cheers, which hmm. Alex, you and I both went to the we final the parade. cheers parade in yeah. Boston, in which the entire cast <laughs> assembled. By government center, I believe it was. Yeah, we were yeah. out there waving with the with the masses. We were I, out there waving with I the masses. Remember that? I'm not surprised. <laughs> that was a great moment going to the cheers parade after the conclusion of the show. Yeah. Um, but I suspect you were thinking about something more corporeal. Yeah, instantiated. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so let me think. All right. Oh. While you think, I'll just, you know, I don't have one. I never have. But I, the closest I came was, you know, in Chicago when I sometimes go to Jimmy's in Hyde Park because that was where all the graduate students went. Um, so that's mm -hmm. as close as I can come. But we can just, you know, get that out of there right away. That's perfectly respectable. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. Remember the Swiss chalet in the old city in Jerusalem? Oh, in the old? no. The Swiss chalet, I always used to go to the Danish tea house. Oh, the Danish tea house. The Swiss chalet is that little place next to Garros. Uh, right. The patisserie. But right, right, right. The Danish tea Danish house. Danish tea house. Yes. Oh, that's it. That's the one. That was a right. great place. Yep. And, and actually, 
I'm sorry. Sit there and throw pistachio shells on the on the stones and and ask the Armenian DJ to play, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix and yes right. and yeah, <laughs> that place was really something. And a couple of years ago, like within the last, I don't know, certainly within the last ten years, maybe within the last seven years, I was walking around the old city, and I walked past it, and there was its sign. It was like they were taking it apart. And the sign, the Danish tea house was on the ground. Mm. And it was a sort of like the it its closing moment. And it, I hadn't thought of that place in a million years. And there it all of a sudden was. Yeah, that was a good place, the Danish tea house. Yeah. Nice. That was a place where lots of people from different religions all came together in peace and harmony. That's right. Yeah. To to quaff uh a beverage and to eat a little food and to listen to some, some tunes. Yep. And, uh, in a, in a very particular kind of environment. Yeah. But <laughs> well, those, those happy and Pacific days are behind us. Way behind. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, I, 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 that's, that was my, my focal point. And yeah, I think it's a good example that is a really good example. I mean, I have other other bars that I that I like, um, and I very much like this place called the Scarsdale Tavern, which is in in Kensington in London. All right. Um, oh. I think we went there. We did, or did you yeah. two? No, we, you and I did. Okay. Um, I like the sawmill in in uh, Tucson. The sawmill. Oh, right. That's where we used to go after seminars. So the seminar would just continue at the sawmill or General Ben's, but I like the sawmill better. Where did James McMurtry play? It was one of those two. Oh. When that, he was a solo act. Yeah, I that I don't know. As usual, you Arizona boys, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness players. what? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't yeah. know. You you always had, you know, you 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 guys always were the the cool group, the Arizona guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool and virtually unemployable. <laughs> Unlike the Chicago people who just <laughs> right. slot into jobs, <laughs> regardless of anything, on, yes. on the basis of their pedigree and the machinations yeah. behind the scenes. Well, there you are. Right, right. Cast a giant We're shadow. Too far field, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should move on to uh, tavernas in the uh, ancient Near East. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, but you know, gentle bends and uh, other deserty kind of tavernas are very apropos to today's uh, topic: the discovery of a tavern in the city of Lagash in southern Mesopotamia, dating to around twenty seven hundred. And we were at Lagash, <laughs> the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks ago, a month or two ago, when we were swimming between the different mounds that comprise that's right comprise Lagash, and right. now we find out that there are taverns that's uh, that are have benches and shelves and bowls that they're serving beer, they're serving fish, probably dried fish or something. Dried fish. So right. already we know that in the mind of a successful innkeeper, mm -hmm. to sell the beer. You got to give them salty snacks. Mm. It's, yeah. it's a recipe that goes back 
thousands and thousands of years and it right. is unchanged a tale as old as time <laughs> you walk into a bar and the first thing they do is give you something salty right and they just watch you order rounds right yeah but it's not it's not really a bar in that there's food and it's not no. a coffee house because there's food and drink <laughs> Because they haven't seen goats consuming <laughs> little beans off of shrubbery. Right. <laughs> that would come later. And we should talk about coffee at some point. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Right. Okay. But not now. We're talking about taverns. Yeah. So if our if our listener has any kind of coffee news from the ancient world, <laughs> send it along. Please write in. Yeah. Um, so they're excavating at Lagash, a renewed excavation. The site had been excavated by the Germans in the late 19th century. And then by uh, Penn Museum and the British Museum in the 30s, right? With what's right. his name? With Woolley? And um, and the 50s. And the 50s oh, yeah. with uh, Vaughn from yes. the Met. Right. right. And Hanson. No, that was the 60s. And Hanson. The 60s. Right. 60s New stuff. York University yeah, NYU and the University, Met. University of Pennsylvania. Right. 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 And now we have sure a those keeping track. <laughs> a return to Lagash in 2019 by a team from Penn and then joined by a team from Pisa. Mm-hmm. Right. And and with a very strong Iraqi component. Strong yeah. Iraqi component. And and the site is only 450 hectares. So right. there's really plenty of spot to, you know, whack at. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could probably you could probably invite another 10 institutions in there and still no one would see each other you know until the end of the season party <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's a big honking place yeah <laughs> and, and, and uh, one, of, one of the goals of this newer excavation though is it, it is a big place but and, and a lot of is known about it like public stuff temples palaces that kind of thing ugh, enough much, that nonsense. yeah right they're they're much more interested in in the non-elites right now and they're they're going for non-elite um sectors of the city and that's what they found right and they're also doing very interesting geoarchaeological work they're <laughs> they're digging giant cores down to the, the right. mesozoic period right and right. very very fine-grained environmental reconstruction and all this kind right. of stuff but, which is very but, cool but not apropos just to here. be fair it is very cool but that kind of stuff's been going on for 20 years. That's true. I mean, you know, we've yeah. done courts of tie and not throughout Israel. We're constantly shaving very micro stratigraphy. Right. Off. So, right. you know, it's right. Not- but reconstructing the reconstructing the geo geo archaeology of the the Gulf. Right. But that's yeah. that's, that's, that's you know. We we have known for a long time that it was, you know, now it's in the middle of the desert. We understand for a long time that it was not quite as deserty at that point. Oh my God, you're swimming to work. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, It's like Venice. You're you're hailing a gondola. We're we're just getting more data to show how less deserty it it was. And you're pulling up in your gondola to a, to a, a, a tavern, a public house, and you're going... And that apparently was an Italian archaeologist who recognized it because she was like experienced in <laughs> excavating <laughs> Roman archaeology. And like this is a public house. I you know I don't want to do an accent. That wouldn't be cool. But this right. is this is very this is, and it's not a it's not a private house. 
It's a public house. It's a public right. house. Right, right. <laughs> it's a pub. Exactly. So, so they find uh, an oven serving food. They find benches. Thank God for benches. Because if we didn't have benches in the ancient Near East, we would have no Nothing. evidence for people getting together and hanging out. Right. So we have right. benches. Apparently, there was talk of a table. Yeah. <laughs> so, there was. There was. It was, it was never delivered. But, uh, <laughs> right. They hadn't put it together yet. It was an uh, open air uh, part of it, which of course makes perfect sense. Yeah. In the, in the Near East, it's just like the Scarsdale Tavern. And there are these bowls with fish, and then uh, and there's a zir like this zier, under right? under semi underground refrigerating. Right. That was very cool. I didn't know the term before. And uh, I don't really think that any of the little reports we read did justice to describing the Zir. Mm. Um, I I mean, I I did some extensive research on Wikipedia on Zirs. And uh, let's do tell. I I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure how this one was because this seems to be at least partially subterranean. But uh, basically, you take a clay pot and you put it inside another clay pot, and in between them, you put wet sand. And um, if I'm understanding it correctly, so the wet sand keeps the whole thing cool and the condensation from the wet keeps the whole thing cool. And then if wind blows, um, it's it, the, the analogy I read probably on Wikipedia was if you come out of a swimming pool and there's a cool breeze, you're freezing. So um, the the stuff inside sure. the, the cool breeze keeps the stuff, the damp stuff inside even colder. So, so that's, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's, um, that's that's my understanding of what a zir is. And I'm a little bit puzzled if this particular very large looking zir is partly subterranean because then you can't get the wind going back and forth. But that's clearly my understanding of zirs is limited. But what I want to speculate, you're not putting the dried fish in the zir. What was in the zir? Mm. What are they pulling out of there? Are they pulling out those little eggs that you see on? Pickled <laughs> eggs. Yeah, those little pickled eggs. Out, <laughs> like, you know, Cups of yogurt? Are they pulling out, you know, little little bits of kidney and heart from, you know, sheep and goat to to throw together a quick grill? That's what or, I want to know. I want to know that too, but maybe they're just keeping, I, I was thinking of like a big, whatchamacallit, where you keep your, you know, big cooler with ice where you keep your beers cold when you're in a barbecue. Yeah, but America is the place where we really love cold beer. Much of okay. the rest of the world is more than fine with warm beer. And I okay. suspect in the ancient world, there were you were probably drinking more warm beer than zir cooled beer. <laughs> You're probably right. Okay. Okay. Well, but they are doing ex- um uh, you know scientific uh analyses of the various residues on the inside of all of these different vessels. So we should know more right yeah. one of these one of these days. Um right. Right. We we should point out how recently this was excavated. It's just excavated <laughs> in the fall. How little and, we know about it. Any right. Of this <laughs> as, as if our listener needs reminding. <laughs> All right. Okay. Some excavation. Very exciting. Very interesting. Very and, interesting. And yeah. who's, how do you pay for this? You walk into that, man that walks into a into a into a Mesopotamian tavern and says, "Give me your right. finest." How, that was my exact. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. How do they pay yeah. for this? So there is no, they don't, they don't have currency as we know it. Right. And not yet. Not yet. But, you know, the first coins are Lydian. I mean, we were a long way from coins. Yes. So they don't have currency in that regard. Maybe they have bits and pieces of metal that get weighed. Fine. That could 
be possible. But we also know, uh, certainly by the you know old Assyrian period, that they have credit. Right. I'm wondering, did people run the tab? Yeah. Did you go in there and say, you know, hey, Enkidu, I'm just picking a name here. <laughs> put it on my put it on my tab. One for the house. It well, had to have been because I mean, how much is is some beer or some ale going to cost? It's not enough to like. It's not a big silver shekels worth. So well, they didn't have silver shekels though. Okay. Well, so. here here I have to uh, you know pull, pull rank on you, and I'm going to uh -oh. quote from a okay. I'm going to quote oh, from boy. a document. Ooh. Oh, that is not from not from this period, but from like uh, uh, eight hundred, a thousand years later. Mm -hmm. Oh, if instead of grain, a brewer has accepted silver weighed with a large waystone for the price of drink, uh -huh. thus making the price of the drink less than the price of the grain, hmm. they shall prove that brewer guilty and throw her into the water. Okay, all and right. That is from the Steely of Hammurabi. That's what I oh, thought. Yeah. Okay, so they're yeah. using so they're using uh, you know weights of of metal. That's right, and there it's weights of metal and weights of grain and weights of stuff. Right, and you know so it's still like a full time weight uh, a full time person on the on the on the balance pans constantly <laughs> throwing things on and saying you owe this much you owe that much. Wait a minute, did that guy get another beer? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> right and uh and you know they're they're switching back and forth between he's got barley he's got wheat he's got emmer right you gotta emmer. keep careful track. <laughs> yeah. what is that sorghum get out of here <laughs> your, your sorghum's no good here we haven't even domesticated millet yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come back in a thousand years but please. that's why i think there must have been some kind of credit yeah. Yeah. weekly because you know the mesopotamians are constantly tabulating things right millions, millions of economic tablets and i think that everyone was running weekly or monthly tabs and yet there was no mention of any tablets no nope. this is still early for <laughs> in the writing it is thing. It right is. well i mean yeah that would be an early dynastic if period but if they found a tablet or at least you know some sort of some sort of ah, but they, they did find <laughs> ceilings and yep. stoppers. Stoppers. And the toilet nearby. Well, <laughs> slow, slow down though, because yeah, so so they have this tavern. And then apparently not too far away, there's this whole pottery making area with yep. six initial kilns and then another five kilns, which by my calculations makes 11 kilns. Um, whoa, whoa, with, slow down. With benches and a table and a domestic dwelling with a kitchen and a bathroom. So this is all right next door, apparently. So this raises, I mean, I sort of don't, didn't want to jump in so quickly, but I also want to know about who is frequenting the tavern. Is it these, is it these um, artisans, uh, these pottery makers frequenting the tavern? But um, I just wanted to point out that this is right nearby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's right. Exactly. And also I think it wasn't so specific, but proximate in some way was a brewery attached to a temple. Oh, I missed that. That, that Hansen excavated or identified in the late 60s. Oh, okay. So there was a brewery attached to a temple. And then I think this is sort of in the same rough part, you know, neck of the woods. Right. So, so it is a whole little complex. Right. And, and this is, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. 
Now, this this is one of my questions when reading because we don't really have enough information. So can't answer the question, but at least our listener can know what the question is, which is how do all these areas relate to each other? Lagash is this gigantic place. And we know that, you know, temples are fully excavated and all this. So, you know, how close is the, is this part of a domestic area? I think it might be, or how far is the closest domestic area? How far is the closest public area? Um, I want to, I, I need a map of Lagash in the early dynastic period. That would help me a lot. <laughs> we'll call the auto club. <laughs> right, right. Or the yachting club in this case. I want to know if it's a five minute walk or a 15 minute walk. You know, these things make a difference. Yeah. Okay. But uh, that's, that's a question. I think the real, the real question is mm. in, in contemporary Egypt, um, where you have these ginormous, you have ginormous breweries, um, which are popping up all over, and you have ginormous public works projects, and people are working for the man in 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 his crazy pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> this is not that. Mm -hmm. Now, this yeah. is completely different uh, in terms of scale and intent and organization from that. Correct. Now. Maybe there's a temple that's actually doing the brewing or something or, or at some level or brewing for its own people because, <laughs> and this is just a warning to everyone visiting Lagash in this period, don't drink the water. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's why you have the beer. Right. Versus right. IPA. Yeah. But, you know, this is some kind of private-like enterprise yeah, or a public-private partnership, or well, something. well, right, right. I think, I mean, there's there's enough evidence for entrepreneurial activity. Sure. Yeah. So there's no reason to think that this isn't part of that because it isn't of a scale that's larger than that. And right. as you noted, Rachel, there's these you know kind of craft production elements close by, and you know those people after a long day of slinging mud. You want to you want to throw some suds down right. and have a dried fish. Right. This is like literally the craft beer revolution. <laughs> oh. oh boy! Oh, Alex. <laughs> um. No, but that it's the craft. It's craft and beer. It's craft and beer. Right. It is craft and beer. Well, I want to talk about the concept of the third place. You know, you got your home, you got your workplace, your office, and you've got your little neighborhood pub. Which Normu. <laughs> What? <laughs> right. That was a little cheers joke. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I was about to say, which is Sam's place, which is which is <laughs> cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, was... so yeah, I mean, but but that's that's the thing. And um apparently it was a thing then too. Um, because the other thing is, and I might have read this somewhere, but you know, every everyone is baking their own bread or every couple of households are joining together and, you know, sharing a kiln or whatever. So everybody can bake, everybody can brew small scale. So it's, but this, so this is actually a place of gathering. You're right. not, or you, can, or you can't, or, I mean, in some, in some cities, like in, in um, medieval Islamic cities, you had to go to like a central place blocks away to use their oven. Right. Okay. Okay. And, yeah, and, Certainly, like bakeries, medieval in Europe, yeah. medieval bakeries is where, you know, people would bake their bread or make their, you know, Friday night dinners, the sofrito and things like that. Okay, so, okay. There, so, it's a there is a lot of sort of different modalities and combinations of of things going on. Right. 
I, I'm also sort of assuming that, you know, and again, this comes back to what stratum of society are we talking about? If it is a middle-class stratum, maybe we didn't talk about that yet. Maybe we talked about that before we started recording. <laughs> um, but if it is a middle, middle stratum of society, you know, if you're really poor, you're going to have to, you can't afford to eat out every night, right? Drink out. Um, well, if, if all you're eating is, is a glass of beer and a date, um <laughs> well uh, okay yeah finish sorry then that's then that's what you then that's what you do I and guess. actually in in britain in in yeah. british history in the last 300 years there were different pubs evolved from you know less ske more sketchy to to less sketchy as the working class you know there were working class places and there were kind of middle class places and uh and interestingly women were largely kept out even though they were primarily the brewers so right th that's one of my big questions here because there's a lot of depictions of women brewing in mesopotamia right and literary but, also but not a lot of depictions except for one that i can think of of enhedwana <laughs> well, um mm -hmm. knocking a couple back with uh with you know, her posse. Right. But, you know, how was all this organized? Well, yeah. right. And that, for me, the question of organization gets raised through, we know that beer is a ration for workers. Mm. Right. So mm. are they taking like little ration cards to private establishments? Like, is there some kind of interconnectedness between right. you know, your rationing system? We had always sort of, there was always an assumption that the temples were in charge of these rationing kinds of things for grain, bevel yeah. rimbles, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But maybe they were getting chits and it's like, yeah, you're done working, here's your chit. And then you can, you know, make good on it at any any local public house. Or or at the most convenient, you know, maybe you have a deal with one public house. Right. I mean, it's, right. However right. that gets organized. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um no, that's interesting. That's interesting. So now I'm picturing the the kiln workers, the potters, um, with their little chits going a few blocks down to to this tavern. Sure. Uh, why right. not? Yeah. Right. Well, it's like uh, you know, you, you swipe your card at the cafeteria. Right. Yeah. And uh, because the cafeteria has an arrangement with your employer. Right. And. Yeah. Well, but were, were, was there entertainment? There, there's no reference to darts in this report. <laughs> That's a good point. No pool tables. No right. pool tables. No evidence. No tablets with you know pub quizzes. But there might have been. You know, we talked about games. Right. And yeah. Egypt yeah. has games, and then and Mesopotamia also has. I can't remember now for the life of me the name of that game in Mesopotamia. Yeah. But, so I mean, I'm sure that might have been. Part of the scene. How about I would music? like the excavators to uncover one. Then um, yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in order. Yeah, exactly. What about music or yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, music. Good point. Or, Good. or you know, oral tale telling. Yes. Okay. That's what would go on. Right um, down at the old Inky Doo Inn. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's it. I was thinking that we should speculate on the name. I was sort of thinking of something like um, you know Mason Scepter or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, apparently from the 13th century onward in Britain, pubs were required to have signs indicating right. that they were pubs. 
and you know seems like which seems like a a, a good idea and they <laughs> and they had names right so right you know what do we call this place in lagos which must have been one of many right well and that was the other question of course in which we mentioned over and over again if you find something is it a is it one of many or an outlier and i i, right. I think this is clearly one of many i think so too right right exactly cuz lagos is so big and 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 every city must have had many of these things right that because i think ultimately that... it's you know it's a big these are big working class towns right you know, gotta you gotta relax at the end of a of a long day toiling <laughs> under the heat and uh, and all that. Well, I want to talk about some of the literary references. So I think this place might be called like Sidori's place. Um, <laughs> so why Sidori? Because she was the alewife in the Gilgamesh epic in the main Ooh. Babylonian version of the Gilgamesh epic. And she's really important. I mean, there are a lot of important women in the Gilgamesh epic, but she's particularly important. She um, has this tavern, which um, Gilgamesh comes to visit when he's mourning the death of his friend Enkidu. Uh, and, well, he's not so much as mourning the death of his friend as he is, holy crap, if he can die, I might be able to die too. And he's afraid of immortality. <laughs> and Sidori- Slow, slow so realization that mortality- right existential crisis exactly. this is the whole point of the gilgamesh epic it's, it it's gilgamesh's existential crisis exactly so so um he happens he happens into this tavern by Sidori, and um first she is afraid of him um because you know this guy coming into her tavern maybe it's after hours so she barricades the door and she hides but then she realizes it's gilgamesh so she lets him in um and um then she gives him this philosophical advice so she she says something like like um, friendly bartender right exactly it's it, exactly it's it's you know telling all your troubles to the bartender and she responds by saying stop having this crisis just accept your mortality and go go live your life just um, shut up man up yeah, right. that's what she said but then you know Gilgamesh being Gilgamesh doesn't want to hear that and then Siduri seems to like be, she has all the knowledge. She's like incredible. She says, okay, you really want the secret to immortality. I'm going to tell you where to find the only man who seems to be immortal. And not only am I going to tell you where to find him, I'm going to tell you how to get there. And you got to go find his boatman and blah, blah, blah. So she gives him the key to, to getting on with his quest. So that is Siduri. Um, wise bartender. Wise bartender. Exactly. Things don't change, right? So, well, you should, you need to, we should send you to Lagos and do, you should do a, a video spot there on this. That was a nice little thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because let me go back to the, to Hammurabi for, for one second. Please. Oh my God. Um, a long way from not doing research. <laughs> two of you. If there is a brewer in whose house villains have congregated, oh my God. but she has not caught these villains and has not taken them to the palace, such a brewer shall be killed. If a yeah. temple woman, a priestess, who has not been living in the communal house, opens a drinking house or enters a drinking house for a drink, they shall burn such a woman. So it's not so easy being a bartender right. then right. or now. Um, especially with, uh, you know, with the man breathing down your neck. Right. 
That's There's funny. also some sort of literary association between uh, prostitutes and tavern keepers. That never so happened. I wasn't fully able to track that down. So there are these two things at odds with each other, either the wise bartender woman or the <laughs> or the prostitute tavern keeper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're the Hammurabi code business. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> Should our listener care to go into that business? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, especially since the government was basically like organized crime. Right. You know, as always. I was going to say what, I mean, you could always say that about any government. Right. Or disorganized crime, depending on the country. But was there licensing well, and, tax, and taxation? Well, I think if there was licensing, honestly, that I think we would have known about from textual records. But wasn't that Hammurabi's code thing about letting people congregate without official permission? Isn't that what you just read, Alex? Uh, no, she's a temple woman or a priestess who goes oh. for a drink. Oh, uh, oh, I found uh, something different. Sorry. Um, I found uh, something from Hammurabi's code. I didn't find track down the actual text, but because um, because you know I'll just talk without knowing anything um, about if you, if you're a female beer seller who allows too many people to congregate without official permission, um, then I don't remember what happens to you. Is but... that is that number one oh nine? I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I think. Where's where's the original Akkadian? I'm going to read it out loud here. Sumu sabtum sarutum ina English. I don't know if any kind of you know licensing excise you know got to pay a tax on you know per per barrel per liter kind of thing. I think you know the the cops want you to keep the keep the you know the villains out pretty much standard in every period but um i don't know there's a there's a, and there's the whole corporate um it, it looks like this is you know free enterprise uh independent business but you know where are they getting their grain from where are they that's well, I mean, there's no i yeah i mean where are they getting their grain from we know they're producing a lot of beer we know yeah, they're yeah. producing a lot of beer yeah, so there, there, it's an agrarian. I mean, yeah, that's just an organizational element. I mean, there's plenty of grain available, but oh, right, right, right. No, but where, where are the the publicans? Yeah, um, getting getting their supplies from. They're part of a supply chain. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think I understood. I think I was trying to respond to that, but yeah. <laughs> where, where <laughs> you... Please see my previous response at option note five. <laughs> Yeah, but I they're so they're going to some grain producer, grain supplier, mm -hmm. um, or, a, or a temple that, or a temple, or, or a temple that has stores of grain because they have tons of land, right? And they're right. right look, they're it's a very entrepreneurial society, both at the institutional level and from the bottom up, undoubtedly. And yeah. so there, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to put these kinds of you know little logistical networks together and and you know make a buck. Um, in you know, in a very simple way, yeah. And now that you've read the Code of Hammurabi, and we know they're they're slinging grain and silver all over the place <laughs> to make this stuff, you know, we have some kind of a picture um, again of top down, bottom up, and entrepreneurial opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> what about uh, how do they deal with uh, with drunks? Well, now we're talking. Yeah. 
How how what do they do with about that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the bouncer? What are the what are the limits? Who gets cut off? Does the <laughs> LA herself control this? Do, like, does she, do they respect her enough to listen to her? But isn't right, the alcoholic content really low on this stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty low. Right. So you know, I don't know. You don't think that's an issue? I think I think it might be an issue, but being as it's something that is just part of their diet. Mm-hmm. right and that they've always been drinking and it's part of the rationing system and mm-hmm. it's something like as you said alex they're not drinking the water so mm-hmm. i don't necessarily know i mean they might get buzzed but not to a level of you know um busting the place scale, up. Uh, okay. you know, well yeah they also have to go to work the next day so well everybody has Everybody has to go to work the next day. And that, you know, governments always respond to (laughs) the need to get people to go to work the next day by trying to adjust their, their laws. Um, And their clocks. And the (laughs) clocks. And, you know, the reason why the, the, the number of pubs exploded in Britain in the early 19th century is because people were getting hammered out of their minds on gin in the gin craze right and the powers that be said oh my god this is this is affecting productivity and the bottom line we're going to liberalize the laws about brewing so everybody can just you know hmm. go home earlier with uh with a, a happier happier feeling yeah um, well that's a good point okay you health and safety inspections no evidence right. <laughs> Well, that still doesn't happen in the South, so I can't really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the temple. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The, one? the one you go to or the one you wouldn't step foot in? <laughs> I need to uh, I need to taste. I need a tasting flight of all of your. Well, that, that's what I want to know. Is hmm. there any rarefied brewers who are actually producing, you know, really interesting stuff? Or is it all just kind of at the basic oh. level of twiggy, low low alcoholic volume liquid bread we need to wait for them to do residue analysis so they can find traces of vanillin and so on yeah um which would be really fascinating actually mango sour ipa (laughs) yes i respect would drop quite a bit (laughs) um why the mangoes would bring the whole you know indian ocean here into play that's true that's true Although uh, the the early Bronze Age beer from the Southern Levant had some kind of funky ingredients, tasting ingredients in it, um, I'm forgetting forgetting what it was. Uh, but mm-hmm. there, it was more than just you know Honest? malted uh, yeah. malted stuff and mm-hmm. and and water. Um, you got to make it at least a little bit interesting, I suppose. I guess there okay. were, yeah, there was like some, there was like some honey, okay. honeyed notes, mm-hmm. right? What have okay. you? This leads to a sort of indirectly to a different question: Are, Who's frequenting? I mean, is it just men coming as as um, the people who drink in the bar, um, in the in the pub, or just the working man? Yeah after work or well, what do, about the working women well are there right so so do women do women come in is it a place for them also a third place for them also or 
I, mean, I don't know. It's pretty clear that women are brewing and that yeah. women are 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 serving, are right. slinging. Right. Yeah. But in terms of consuming as consumers, as consumers, I was assuming not, but I hadn't really thought it through. Well, I don't know. I think that's not be that a much else to eat. That's going to be a hard one to figure out, actually. I think. Yeah. Because I don't think we can always just make these kinds of assumptions based on subsequent millennia of history and who participates right. in bar culture. Right. No, that's probably true. We shouldn't because you know what happens when you assume. So, yeah. <laughs> right. But it's also, again, this whole thing about the complete and total normalization of consuming beer in the society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's not such a big distinction. It's just the place to go. Right. I mean, but that's, again, it comes back to you're drinking beer of some sort or some sort of alcoholic beverage at home and you're drinking it at the tavern um so you might not be drinking it at home i was gonna really. say why are you necessarily well, you gotta drink something at home and you can't drink the water you could be drinking some kind of you know kefir like yogurt product you could be drinking yogurt I right because that stores a little bit better and we have lots of ethnographic on that and okay okay um, that's right so or, you know or or some kind of raw milk from your water buffalo that you have uh, out on your little island in the in the canal um yeah. that sort of uh that sort of thing where, where you boiled the water you <laughs> probably, they probably figured that out after a while right um yeah, hot beverages you know i'm drinking my tea right now <laughs> right you need a you need a hot, hot, beverage. hot beverages in hot climate it, it serves to cool exactly hmm. okay did they have pickled eggs did they have pickles well, we know your thoughts about pickles. They probably had pickles. We talked about pickled eggs. It's really hard to say until unless we get the big jar or we get the remains in his ear. Um, and and sadly, as one of the articles notes, no pretzels yet. Mm. So, you know, that was actually a, a throwaway line because yeah, I kind of it kind of irritated me. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> now that we know that bread goes back to like fourteen thousand years ago. You know, yeah. between 14,000 years ago in Jordan and 2700 BC in southern Mesopotamia, someone could have come up with some pretzel like equivalent. Of course, they had some kind of cracker like, you know, salty. Well, that, yeah. Well, they had the fish. That's, I mean, fish tail, yeah. fried fish is cracker like and salty. Yes. Yeah. But you need yes. a little, car you need some <laughs> carbohydrates to you go with that. Yes. Well, the I, I don't know. Is, is the beer. Yeah, exactly. It's very nutritious. Yeah. So. Just the crunch, just for the crunch. The fish That's tail is the crunch. Yes. Yes. I, mean, I well, there I have questions about about I can, I can <laughs> about the, the whole fish. It's a fish That's tail. another that's another episode. Yeah. It's another episode entirely. Well, I'm getting hungry and thirsty from talking about this. Yeah. I am too. Did they have gastro pubs? <laughs> oh, you don't want to go to that, you know, that place. Come to our new place. Right. <laughs> you know, our, our beer is made with, you know, date. But hunt. now you're just, now it's just, that's pure presentism. That's, presentism. that's right. I know, but we have to get that word in every episode. You're just slumping down to the local, to the local <laughs> pub. It's like a roadhouse. Exactly. Just yeah. trying to put a smile on their face at the end of a long, hard day. Right. In a place where everybody knows their name. Normu. <laughs> <laughs> Meet you down at at Inky Doo's place. <laughs> Final thoughts? 
Final uh, thoughts. Mm, I don't have any. Um, the more things change, the more things stay I was going to say, my final thought is, is that they figured out a lot of this stuff pretty early. Yeah. 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 Alex, do you have a final thought? I really wish we had a good uh, a good pub to go to on a on a rainy afternoon where you could curl up with a good book and a nice nice warm ale and maybe a malt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some pretzels. Oh, they haven't been invented yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have to wait until the uh, you know what was it the assault on uh, Vienna or whatever for the invention of the pretzel. Yeah, it's a long time to wait. No, <laughs> it's a long time to wait no, I really all right next incredible. week the first wine bar in georgia <laughs> <laughs> did they have ferns in the bar mm. oh. was it a fern bar no it definitely wasn't it was muddy and you know yeah everything was taupe and you know yeah we didn't even talk about the decor yeah yeah i don't think the decor had much to commend itself it's not like you're finding any any uh any cones in it or anything like that <laughs> Right. Did you have a coffee table in front of your your benches, though? You must have had some sort of wooden table. This goes back to the table problem. Yeah, they, said they had a table. They did. Say, that's right. That's right. Okay. It was, it was delivered in a box from Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> right. First evidence. No, maybe from Uzbekistan. Is IKEA big in Uzbekistan? No, but that's the last world system that we sort of dipped our toe into. Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah, that's the true. wine bar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Very good. Drink up. Shriner. I always say that when Cheers. I see a couple of them. Well, this episode has me yearning for a pint of real English ale, or at least a couple of quick shots of tequila. So, of course, we'd like to thank Erez Dessel, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Chicago Philharmonic, for our theme music. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, the Dumont Television Network, a division of Yoyodyne Propulsion Systems. Be sure to catch another exciting episode of Major Del Conway of the Flying Tigers, Saturdays at 6.30. And so, to get in touch, leave us a comment. Hit the little heart-shaped button at the bottom of this page to show us that you care. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at at this ancient with the little at mark in front of the words this ancient it's all one word and on facebook yes we're very hip with the whole social media thing contact us via email at this week in the ancient near east it's all one word at gmail.com or send us a postcard at p.o box 1177 boston mass 02134